Grab your canary sunshine yellow pages in the back there. Let me pray for us as we get started. Father, we thank you once again for this day. Uh, We do thank you for the sunshine, the warmth, the reminder of your bringing the changes of the seasons to pass. We thank you for that. Thank you for the time to be together as your people this morning as we continue to think about our our call, the commands you give us to be hospitable. Help us to deepen our understanding of what that means. Uh, Help us to broaden our understanding of how to apply it. And give us uh, strength and uh, motivation to be hospitable people. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it's been a couple weeks since we have Uh, been uh, doing this class in particular. So let me just very quickly give you a recap of where we have been in this class. We started uh, a couple months ago um, and we began by kind of just thinking about why do we need to study the topic of hospitality? And we talked about the the need for that within our culture, but the fact that it's something that's been needed in every culture. Uh, We came up with a working definition of hospitality, uh, mostly taken from Rosaria Butterfield in in her book. Um, And the definition that uh, we kind of crafted from her is there on your page. The idea of hospitality is using your Christian home and church in a daily way to make strangers into neighbors, neighbors into the family of God, bringing glory to God, serving others, and living out the gospel in word and deed with the purpose to build, focus, deepen, and strengthen the family of God, pointing people to the Bible-believing church and being earthly and spiritually good to everyone we know. Uh, We looked at how hospitality defined as that, has changed quite a bit over uh, many years, over church history. And uh, we then took a couple of classes and looked at some of the biblical passages, biblical basis for hospitality. We looked at Luke 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. We looked at several New Testament passages that had imperatives about showing hospitality, uh, of being hospitable, of practicing hospitality. Then we took a couple weeks and we looked at uh, what I was calling more the theological basis, still looking at the scriptures, but thinking more theologically about hospitality and why it's something that we are to be practicing. We looked at Matthew 25, how we are to see Jesus in every stranger. And we looked at several passages in Genesis, how we are all made in the image of God, and therefore we have an interest in one another because of that. And we also looked at those one another passages uh, in Scripture that talk about one anothering, uh, being together and reaching the needs and help and encouraging one another. Um, We have two and a half classes left. We have today, we have next week, and then we have a half a class on the 20th because we have a closing program as we always do with the young people. So we'll have just a little bit of a class on the uh, on the 20th before we finish up and start our summer schedule on the 27th. And so that means that uh, we've got our work cut out for us to kind of talk about a lot of different things. And so today what I want us to talk about are challenges we have with hospitality generally, just general challenges that we've thought about over the course of the class so far. Um, Next week, I want us to get more specific and talk about challenges we have with hospitality at Trinity and in our homes. So general challenges today, more specific next week. And then the last uh, half class, uh, we'll see what we'll do with that. We're not, I'm not entirely sure we're, how we're going to use that, some wrap-up kinds of things. Um, I will tell you that uh, we are 
considering and working on the possibility of having this kind of continue on in conversation and study through the summer. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like yet, but as that develops, I will let you know if you would like to participate in that. Um, It may involve reading uh, some of the books that I've been using. Just a a reminder, two of the big ones that I've been using, Christine Pohl's book, uh, Making Room, Recovering Hospitality is a Christian Tradition, and then uh, Rosaria's book that came out uh, just last month, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And as I've told you over and over again, I know a number of you have bought this one, um, you have to believe the gospel if you're going to read this one. <laughs> um, very convicting. I mean, they're both very convicting, but this one, very, uh, very convicting. And the gospel has got to be true <laughs> if uh, we're going to uh, read that and not just be completely overwhelmed with guilt uh, that we're not living like we should be. But she's very helpful uh, in that. So today I want us to talk about more of the general challenges. But before we do that, um, I came across a video of Rosaria when this book came out. Some of you have seen it probably. It's just about five or six minutes long. And I thought to get us back in the context of what we're talking about, it'd be helpful for us to watch that. So if this works, um, then we'll watch that video for about five or six minutes and then we'll jump into some of these challenges. So we'll see if we can get this working here. Do you have the switch to the front? What's that? No, no, this one, sh- this one shouldn't have to be plugged in. Yeah, it was working just a minute ago. Is uh, is Lee here? It's on the screen, but it's saying TV connected. This video is playing on the TV, and when I play it, it's just it's just coming out of the. Isn't this? I want the I want the world to know that our Apple expert is telling us to go low tech. Okay, no. So what I said was, said was <laughs> that was my interpretation of the MacGyver way of doing it was since it's coming out of the speaker here, hold your microphone up to the speaker so they can hear it. Okay, this is low 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 tech. The situation. Low tech. Yeah. We'll see if this works. Christian ideas are understood as hate speech. After the Obergefell decision legalized gay marriage, that put the gospel on a collision course 
with the new law of the land. And I think many Christians have been struggling with, well, how do I speak? What do I do? How do I move forward? Home is a vital place to invite your neighbors in to have some heartfelt conversations. We can love our children together. We can let some things slide, even though the world we live in would say that we're supposed to be enemies. To me, hospitality is the ground zero of the Christian faith. I was raised in an Italian family. There were some issues in my house that made it almost impossible to have people in. So hospitality didn't really become endemic to my life until I had set up a home of my own. I was a professor at Syracuse. I lived as an out lesbian feminist in New York. In our LGBTQ community, somebody's home was open every night of the week. And there was never a question, where will I go if I need help? because the community itself is organic and fluid, and that was how we dealt with crises. After I wrote my tenure book, I really wanted to write a book that was on my heart. Why is the religious right such a hateful community? And why do they hate people like me? I was on a war against two things, patriarchy and stupid. So I was really curious to know why relatively decent people would use the Bible in such a hateful way. So I wrote an editorial and it brought all kinds of attention my way, which I didn't really expect. But one of the things it brought my way was a letter from Ken Smith, the pastor of the Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. When Ken and his wife Floyd invited me to dinner, I was happy. I, th I thought of Ken as my unpaid research assistant. And they were fine with the fact that I, I wanted to read the Bible to critique it. That began a research journey that changed my life. But it wasn't research that changed my life. In Ken and Floyd's home, the way that they practiced hospitality became a living, breathing example of the theology that they were teaching. dinner at Ken and Floyd's house. Ken gave me a big hug. Floyd gave me a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. We said, we'll catch up next week. This was fun. Can't wait to do it again. They did not share the gospel with me, and they did not invite me to church. And that was so wonderful, because what it showed to me was that they didn't see me as a project. They actually saw me as a neighbor. Now, I didn't step foot in the church for two years, but every week I was in their home. And every week, it was clear that pretty much anything could go. We could ask anything. Ken and Floyd were fine. And that process of dialogue and table fellowship was compelling. It was deeply compelling. not come to faith because I stopped feeling like a lesbian. It's not that I got all of my worldview issues just completely cemented with a happy Christian evangelism. Not at all. I came to faith because I became convicted that Jesus 
is who he says he is. Ephesians 4.29 is our watchword that we are to impart grace to the hearer. I might not agree with everything that you hold to be near and dear, but because we are neighbors, I don't have to say everything that's on my heart. And you don't have to say everything that's on your heart right now. We can put some of our worldview issues aside. And over years of this, the gospel takes on a momentum that is compelling to people. I think we need to give each other the reminder that it's God who saves. It's not about certainly us being perfect or our words being perfect. But show up, we must, in the lives of unbelievers. What comes naturally to me and what comes naturally to you is to hang out with people who are like us. <laughs> people who can maybe finish our sentences. People who don't scare us. But hospitality, biblically speaking, takes strangers and makes them neighbors. It takes neighbors and makes them family of God. It's a great joy to see the gospel bring people together who are supposed to be enemies. And it's a great joy to know that God never gets the address wrong. And if your neighbors aren't people you know yet, there's a blessing waiting for you. All right, so she gives us a great segue into thinking about some of the challenges in general that we face as we think about hospitality. The first one that I've got there on your, on your uh, page is that we have to kind of get our thinking about what hospitality is right. Um, I think going into the talk, the conversation, the discussion about hospitality, we're often thinking about entertainment. Uh, having, I don't mean like you know going to a movie entertainment. I mean that possibly, but like entertaining people, like we're bringing them into our house to entertain them and have a party and that kind of a thing. And that's part of what hospitality can be. But I think as she's getting at here, um, we're talking about something much more than that, right? The, the biblical understanding of it is is much more kind of everyday, just living life and inviting people into the into your life. Um, certainly people you know, people you like, but also um, people that you don't necessarily know very well or even people who uh, are known to be unbelievers. I mean, that's how her story began as it related to the Christian faith anyway, um, being invited into the home of the uh, RPCNA pastor in Syracuse, New York. So I think that's one of the challenges we face right out of the gate is that we have to be thinking about hospitality as the Bible is talking about it um, in the context. That's why we spend some time going through the biblical, theological basis for it, uh, thinking about uh, the definition of it the way we did. Um, the second uh, challenge we've got on there generally, um, and I'm gonna, we're going to slow down here in these next three just to kind of talk about them a little bit more specifically. Um, limitations. So the limitations of those that would invite people in 
and uh, the fact that uh, it's almost unlimited in terms of the needs that are out there, right? So we have this kind of disparity. <laughs> we're limited, we're finite, um, we have some specific limitations, but then the need is almost unlimited. And so how do we, how do we deal with that? So let's think about that a little bit. How, how, what are some of the ways that we're limited? Ourselves, Rob? Time and space. Time and space, okay. Space in terms of what space do you live in? Okay, the physical space that we live in, is it, is it actually, an, are we an, able to bring others into that space? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So good things, especially in this town, right, where we have a lot of people that work very unusual shifts that change over a period of time, and so that's a factor. That's a challenge we have. Is um, you know, it's hard to have people into your home to have dinner if that's when you're sleeping, uh, getting ready for work, you know, um, or you're at work, and uh, so that's definitely a challenge. Is just time based on work schedule. Um, you you said if it's a husband and wife, you know, those two schedules mat- matching up in order to be able to invite people in. Then you have the schedules of the people you're inviting. They have to, you know, if you're single, you have you know challenges with your own schedule and, and challenges with other people you're inviting. Um, and I like what you said too about the challenge we have with regard to our physical space. So the the space that we're going to invite people into, um, not everybody has, you know, this space that's just obvious and easy to, to have uh, fellowship and community kind of things happening. Um, so that's a real challenge. I think that's very, very true, very appropriate. Good. Other challenges? Helen? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Wow, those are those are really helpful. So Helen was saying that one limitation, in particular for her, but I think it could apply for others as well, is that not. Uh, handicap accessible. So getting a wheelchair into your home is actually something that would be very difficult and challenging. Not that it couldn't be done, not that it hasn't been done, but it, but it, but it is challenging from that standpoint. Yeah, it hasn't been done well, Helen says. <laughs> hasn't been done easily, right? And then the other thing, that very interesting. So some, uh, if we're inviting uh, people into our homes that um, materially have much less than we do, that can be intimidating if, if, if you know, they're not used to being in a, a big house or whatnot. So very good, very helpful kind of to think outside the box a little bit of how, the limitations we have and how that can be challenging for folks. Good. Some other limitations. Yeah, Matt? Yeah, so the limitations we have just in terms of whether our houses are child-proofed, if uh, either they are child-proofed and uh, it makes it somehow cumbersome for somebody to come in, or if it's not child-proof with people that are coming in with kids, and that could cause immediate tension or anxiety just kind of for the people not knowing, you know, especially, was it the last week that Stephen was telling us a story about his son putting his finger in the outlet, right? Um, 
And uh, yeah, we don't want that to be happening to our guests, right? It's different if it's your own kid and you wanted to teach them a lesson. <laughs> it's another thing if it's somebody else's kid, right? <laughs> Good. Those are limitations we've got, right? Yeah? Energy. Like, what do you mean? Our own personal energy, physical energy. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Just good, good. Just the the uh, uh, physical, even emotional energy, right? Uh, to be able to um, invite somebody in. Um, I mean, if we're tired physically, emotionally, spiritually, and if they're if the people we're inviting in are needing things from us that we can help with, that can be really uh, hard. And it's a challenge because. As you're pointing out, we are limited beings, right? We are finite in our being by design, and that that then can cause some challenges there. Kent? Uh, on the flip side of what Helen was saying, we've had people in our community who express that they're reluctant to invite us over because their place is so small. <laughs> Good, good. Uh, Kent, Kent is uh, pointing out that you know sometimes we are uh, we feel like we're limited because our houses are too small and that we don't want to invite somebody, and not because we don't have the space, but be, or maybe because we feel that way. But maybe we're embarrassed, or maybe we you know feeling like we don't want to cause them undue difficulty to come into our house. And Kent's saying, not a big deal. American house can work. Good. Uh, let me let's do West first, and I'll come over here to Ian. Okay. Size, large or small, whether it's um, presence of host, not the presence of the host. Yeah. I think, I think if we're open to simply respond to what people need, they'll respond. Yeah, so Wes is kind of piggybacking on what Kent was saying is that a lot of times we have the tendency to kind of uh, put our expectations on people or to assume that what people are thinking and then to make it something that can't happen because we of our assumptions, right? And so being careful about that and being more uh, open and honest with it and, and God seems to be working through that. Ian? So kind of building on that and some of the things that others have said and what uh, Jerry Butterfield said is that I think we do come with a lot of our own preconceived notions. And as she says, we all sort of want to entertain uh, are most comfortable with people that are like ourselves. And so there are these barriers, whether they are generational or cultural or theological or you know whatever, that we sort of think, well, you know, we can invite maybe some people, but other people, you know, yeah. That's, uh, that's our problem, not yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a sense, you could put it this way, we're limited by our comfort, <laughs> right? We're, we're, li- we're limited because, as she said, you know, we tend to want to spend time with people, especially if we're inviting, inviting them into our house, with people that we know and people that we like, people that we assume that we're not going to have kind of conflict with right out of the gate, <laughs> right? Pass the peas while we're fighting about, you know, whatever this issue is. And, um, and so there's a level of 
comfort in, in inviting people that maybe wouldn't fit the categories that we're talking about. Um, and so that limits us, right? And there's, there's a degree to which that's not bad. I mean, it's not bad for us to, to want to connect. And, and nothing we're talking about in this class means that we shouldn't be doing that kind of fellowshipping and visiting and, and having friends over. Um, but if that's all we're surrounding ourselves with, then we, it seems like what we're talking about in this class is that we're missing something, some aspect of this, right? Um, so Christine Pohl in her book talk, tells a story of how at one point in her life she was involved with a church that decided as a church they were going to make this idea of hospitality central to their identity as a church and to the ministry that they're doing across the board. They welcomed, over a period of time, they welcomed hundreds of, she says, refugees, local homeless, and poor in the community into the lives of the people in the church, uh, into the homes in the church, but into the church itself as well. Um, they attempted to respond to all of the needs that were coming to them. And they, she said it was a, an incredible season of fruitfulness in the life of the church. Like it was just amazing uh, how the whole church was coming together and serving in this way. And she said eventually the church collapsed. Uh, because they were trying to meet everybody's needs all the time. And uh, her point was is that there, it, it's not just us as individuals, us as families, but it, as churches we have limitations as well. Uh, uh, some of the ones we're talking about, other ones you know, that, we, that we could talk about as well. Um, and, and so she goes on in her book to talk about, the, as, as thinking about limitations, the importance of boundaries. Um, now, I didn't want us to start talking about boundaries the first class, right? Because that's, that's where we're comfortable. <laughs> Let's talk about how we can keep everything nice and neat and tidy. But, but talking about boundaries is actually helpful. It's actually necessary. And both Rosaria and Christine and pretty much any of the books that I've read on this kind of hospitality talk about the need for boundaries. We, we, we are not limitless in ourselves. We're not limitless as a church. Uh, God is limitless, but, but we are not. And so because of that, we have to be self-aware. We have to be... Um, uh, we have to we have to acknowledge we have to know we have to be um, uh, kind of aware of our own limitations personally as individuals as families and church um, and then we need to set appropriate boundaries and, and those boundaries um, th- there could be all kinds of different boundaries that we might need to set depending on what our circumstances are uh, it, not necessarily the boundary for Rob is the boundary for Tom or or you know this family or that family there there'd be different boundaries based on uh, the context. Now, again, we're thinking generally, but what are some boundaries that you could think of, just hypothetically, that could be something that would have to be discussed, thought through, possibly um, installed into the life of hospitality in order to acknowledge our the fact that we have limits? Eric? Uh, one tie-in with our classroom and this news section is sometimes actual exploring the physical boundaries might help us like for example we have a, a garden in the alley behind our house and uh, people are back into it people are, you know growing it and, but there's also been neighbors coming up and asking could I have some green tomatoes because I like to fry them up and so sometimes I think we, we tend to put you know a meal is really important and it certainly is but sometimes Food can also be an extension that's 
you know, literally a physical thing that you can connect with or you can give it away and just meet people literally on the boundary of your so you're thinking actually taking the idea of a boundary literally and just in terms of the, the boundaries of our property and how we use that and are careful about that. Okay. And interacting with those that are in proximity to us. Okay, good. Other boundaries that you can conceive of that would be good. Helen? I think that sometimes we have to look at our own family because one of us in the family may be more open to this and we have to kind of balance until the rest of the family is with us. Yeah. So we don't alienate within our own household. Good, good. Helen was saying that not only do we need to be self-aware and thinking about our finiteness and our limitations individually, but as families, we have limitations as well. And one member of the family may be like all over what Rosaria is describing in the definition we've kind of thrown out there. And like just ready to go and kind of inviting all these people in. And the other person might have difficulties or... or so, so you use the word introvert. Maybe there are some uh, introverts, right, that that's really difficult for and makes it really hard. And so it's, it's talking, it's communication, and then establishing norms and boundaries that are beneficial for the family, not just the individual. Good. Jane, you think of another boundary? The commitment of the family. We've had a lot of people live in our home at the different times, and there is a season for some. You know, Good. I, I know Margaret wasn't so excited about students in high school she was much more when she was younger and so then I we honored that yeah or Gary will go on so, you know there are things like Helen said that you have to be talked to your family yeah good smaller big and see what they're thinking about what they're and limits on time yep Yeah, that's good. So uh, Margaret was saying that, you know, boundaries, just thinking about the fact that our lives many times are seasonal and we go through seasons of time when we can um, have more people in or less people in and to acknowledge that. Um, I think we have to be careful with using that as an excuse, right, to, you know, well, my season is like this next 25 years, <laughs> um, right? Now, I'm not saying you do that. I'm just saying that's that, you know, it'd be very easy for, you know, the, it, does it, it does change over time. That's right. Yep. Yep, and being okay with that and recognizing that that's how God's wired us and that sometimes it's difficult. And I think, um, I don't know if she's here today, but um, for, when, the, when the class first started, uh, Jessica Blocky came up to me and said, like, how do we deal with having really young kids, right? That's a season, right? There's a season of time where the boundaries around that probably have to be different than when your kids are all in high school or when the kids are out of the home, right? So the boundaries, even that you're thinking about in particular, they need to change given the season of time that's going on, right? So let me, um, I'm going to keep us moving here. I want to get a couple more of these, uh, a couple more of these challenges here. But this idea of setting boundaries, um, and I want to, before we move on, I want to pick up on what something West said. Um, I wrote down here, we need to be careful that we don't set unrealistic expectations and then set boundaries based on that. So we can set inappropriate expectations about ourselves or other people or whatever and then set boundaries based on those unrealistic expectations which ends up not being helpful to us. So I think we have to be careful about that as well in terms of the boundaries. One other, uh, another challenge, our attitudes. <laughs> um, so uh, we've got lots of physical things that we have to think about, you know, boundaries that need to be set. But what about just our attitudes? Um, what would you say is the current average North American 21st century attitude? 
What would you say that that, how, how would you characterize it? How would you stereotype it? <laughs> what did you say? Life is about me. Life is about me, right? Which then has implications such as? It's not worth my time to have anybody over unless that does something for me. It beats my needs. Yeah. So this kind of, this uh, radical individualism where it's all about me, 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 right? And my needs, my desires, my whatever it is, um, and not getting outside of ourselves, right? I mean, that's those biblical passages that we looked at, the Good Samaritan, Matthew 25. Um, I mean, those kind of speak right into that. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very legitimate challenge about our attitude. Any other uh, kind of qualities about that, the, who we are as kind of North America? This is a stereotype, right? I'm sure it doesn't meet anybody in this room, but... A <laughs> closed door. You know, like you get home from work or your space is your space, it's your castle... Large sums of money in it, maybe. Yeah. That, yeah. Know, instead of saying, well, whenever you want to stop, it might be messy, but you're yep. welcome. You know, it's that idea. Yeah. So, one of the challenges in our attitude is that we're very private. Right. Um, we. Uh, we value our privacy very, very significant. And again, we're not saying privacy is bad, right? There's a, there's a good aspect of privacy. Um, but when it becomes an idol, when it becomes something that truly drives our life to the extent that we're not able to do what the Bible's saying about hospitality, then it seems like that, that it's gone awry, right? Dan, another, do you think an attitude here about North yeah, American? And, kind of and that with and a lot of what's being spoken of, but, but um, attitude... Um, um, life, lifestyle that we're not um, we often will hear something like this and want to say um, oh how can I just add this to my current lifestyle as opposed to being willing to change our lifestyle mm. for a priority that we see is, is necessary Good. Um, now there are choices sometimes that we have are we willing to if we don't have the time because we're working so hard because we have this lifestyle because we have a mortgage payment are we willing to downsize our house are we willing to you know what are the how willing are we to put ourselves in a place where we aren't um, just on the treadmill and um, and so we keep saying we don't have time or the seasons you know it's a season like you said it's 25 years are we are we willing to change something in our life good we talked early on in the class about the idea of um, are we willing to create margin in our life so that we have the opportunity of spontaneous hospitality? It's not exactly what you're talking about, but a little, little bit of the same idea is that are we willing to actually change our lifestyle such that we have the space uh, financially, mentally, every aspect of who we are to be able to practice hospitality in the way the Bible's talking about? Are we willing to, I mean, how dare you suggest we have to downsize our homes, right? Um, that touches a sacred cow here in uh, North America in the 21st century, right? Um, but are we willing to, you know, at least think in that way, uh, think in that kind of those categories? Like what are, what are things that I need to change so that my life is actually in a place where, um, we're not on the treadmill all the time, just running from one thing to the next. Yeah, challenging, challenging uh, uh, reality of uh, one of these uh, things that we have to, to wrestle with. Um, how, how, so we can talk more about North American attitudes and kind of our attitudes and whatnot. How, how does, um, how do we combat that? How do we deal with that? Rob? Sorry, 
radical, every, uh, ordinary hospitality. Requires several things. One of which is deep repentance. Is what? Deep repentance. Yes. That you have to believe the gospel. And it really is because a lot of the things that we've been talking about are the result of our own sin. Yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah. Yeah, good. So in thinking about how do we lean into some of these stereotypes of what people in this part of the world, this time in the history of the world kind of have. Um, stereotypes tend to be stereotypes for a reason, right? So maybe there's some truth to some of the things that we're talking about. And, and, and that, so I was asking, how do we lean in on that? And Rob's saying, like, the gospel and repentance, right? Recognizing our sin. Uh, where is it that we have been wrong in our mindset about our comfort, right? Not that it's wrong to be have a level of comfort, but how, is, how are we sinning in, you know, taking that, making it an idol or making it the thing that drives everything else, right? And then, and then having the gospel... Um, come to speak into that such that we're actually brought to a sense of repentance, right? One of the reasons why this can be really scary. Yes. Yeah. Because as Dan was implying, it requires a change in us. It requires movement, right? <laughs> Some of you heard that <laughs> earlier in the service, right? Um, it, if, if, I said that when we first started this class. Like if, if we go through this class as a church, as individuals, as families. Um, and the uh, application of this is that we add a monthly potluck. Um, that's not a bad thing. We, you know, we can talk about doing that. We'll talk next week about some of the limitations we have as a church. And, um, but if that's all we did, like that's our takeaway from this whole thing, then we've missed it, right? We've missed uh, because this is really digging at something deep. It goes deep. And, be- and because of that, any of our attitudes toward hospitality that are out of line with what Scripture teaches, the ultimate way we lean into that is the gospel and re- recognition of, of how we need to repent. So I think that's very helpful. Um, Matt, last thing, I want to get the last thing here before we head out. Another thought is just faking it until you make it. <laughs> in some sense, we have to do something. And so a lot of times, you know, it's our actions, whether it's in liturgy or in life, that often will ultimately that the coin will sometimes potentially drop if we're just trying to act out the things that we're called to prayerfully with repentance, but also just I think that's helpful to a degree. I think, you know, and Rosario actually talks about that in her book a little bit. Um, there is a sense in which one way we lean into some of our unbiblical, unhealthy, bad attitudes about hospitality is that we start doing it, um, practice it, get around people who are good at it, um, surround ourselves with people that, um, they wouldn't say they're good at it, but people that we look at and say, you know, you're, you're understanding this and you're putting this into practice, like how... How can you help me learn? And I think that's another way we combat our attitudes. We're running out of time. Let me get to this last, um, this last uh, part here. Um, messiness in general. We're talking about it already. But um, just the idea that doing this kind of life um, is messy. Um, it's messy for a lot of different reasons. Number one... Very often, there's a lack of tangible fruit. Um, if, if Ken Smith had defined hospitality by meeting with Rosaria one time, a week, a month, a year, 
and having her repent and become a member of, at his church, what would have what would have happened? They would have been failures, right? Um, but that's not what they were. Do- that's that was not their um, that was not their expectation. But a lot of people would have maybe looked at what was happening in that and maybe questioned why they were inviting her into their home, um, talking with her about who knows what, um, maybe even her lifestyle, and letting her share those things in the context of their home and not seeing any change immediately with her, right? Because if, if effectiveness, if visible fruit is what we have to have immediately in order for us uh, that's it doesn't work that way. Like God, sometimes God does that. Um, sometimes we meet people where God's already prepared them for that. But what Rosaria's story here is, I mean, it, there's a there's a lot of freedom in this to just let God do the work God's going to do. We just be faithful in what we're supposed to be doing, right? It's not, God's not we're, we're not the judge. We're not the worker. God's the judge. God's the worker, and we just we're just faithfully living out what we're supposed to be doing. But it's messy because it doesn't. It doesn't always kind of turn out like we want it to immediately. Effectiveness is not how we define in our in our North American, you know, uh, context. Effectiveness is something we're all about, but we don't get that very often uh, as we're talking about this kind of hospitality. Yeah. Cynthia. Yeah. So I've seen that video twice, and both times her statement, um, you know, she Right. Yeah, people can pick it up quickly. And she would have known after that first meal, right? I mean, I'm not... She's not saying, like, you should never share the gospel with somebody. I mean, sometimes the Lord's at work, and, like, right then is the time that the gospel needs to be shared, and they need to, you know, be even be called to repentance. But, um, but that's not where she was, and they sensed that. Uh, wise ministers sensed that, and so he didn't... That's not where he took her. He just... You're in the image of God. We're in the image of God. We're, we're going to... We're going to get to know one another. I think, I think if we're thinking of hospitality as, okay, this is my chance to witness, we're all uncomfortable with witnessing anyway. All right. Find that hospitality and we're never going to do it. Right. Whereas you said, you know, there needs to just be a freedom yeah. where people are just coming into your home and trusting that God will make that moment known to you when you need to speak or yep. when you need to just be a friend. Yep, yep. Not tying evangelism necessarily to hospitality, but allowing God to be in charge of all of that and working it out, right? So that's part of the messiness is like our desire for effectiveness, our desire to kind of point A, point B, like let's get there, let's get going, let's move. That's that's part of the messiness. There's another part of the messiness, and that is just that people are messy, <laughs> right? Um, we're messy. We've got, we got messes going on in our own lives that we're inviting people to come in and actually see. Um, or churches, we have, you know, inviting people in to see that. Um, but then we're inviting messy people in too. And when you have messes and you invite messy people into those messes, then you know what you get. You get a mess, right? Um, and that, you know, that's, that can be hard. It can be hard for us to be vulnerable. Um, to be, well, it'd be hard, it's, it, it's hard for us just to be honest <laughs> and to be real and not to try to put up the veneer, right? Um, 
But it's also hard because people are messy and have needs. And so that's that's a challenge we have. There's no way around that. There's not, like I don't have in my notes, like just do this and get around that. Um, I don't know what the answer to that is, is other than just being people and wading into it and trusting a sovereign God um, and trusting in God to be at work even in the mess um, such that we may not even see how it's going to work. Like we're just, we're just doing what we're supposed to be doing and God's the ones in charge however it's going to turn out. Joy? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. Um, and you know, being fake and being perfect is intimidating to other people, especially if those people are very aware of the fact that they're not perfect. Um, and so it makes it very difficult for them to feel comfortable and at home. Whereas if we're just honest about who we are, we connect with them. Right. Another. Um, we need to wrap up. But another aspect of the messiness of this, um, and and Helen brought it up. Um, you know, some of us are introverts. And so um, this is going to be like the introverts are going to be horrified at this. But um, if you consider yourself in some way toward the introverted side of the spectrum, raise your hand. Yep. We have a large church full of introverts. (laughs) And uh, uh, John and I have talked about it, too, just because um, we have a session made up largely of introverts. But we do. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, they'll tell you that. Um, we have a lot of deacons that are introverts, too. Um, it's, it's a reality of just how God has put us together. Um, but that can, that can lend into the messiness. Like, we don't have to be afraid that we're extrovert or introvert. Like, that's not right or wrong, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think she would say she definitely is, yeah. I don't know if she said it, which book she said it. Maybe it's the first one, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert, or maybe it's in this one. I can't remember, but... Um, that that's you know I, I just thank you for going along you introverts thank you for going along from with me and not you know because that's my sense is like we have a lot of introverts in our church um, and that's beautiful that's great um, but it's part of the challenge right we have with all this now we need to finish because we're past time but I want and you're thinking well like where's all the resolution to all this <laughs> there isn't any I mean I've given you a couple things I mean, we've talked about boundaries we've talked about the gospel we've talked about uh, the freedom that we have so there are some so, but this is not easy stuff right we're not solving all of these problems so that we, this will be easy for us it is not easy to do hospitality in the way we're talking about but I think as we talk about the challenges that are here we can come together put our heads together Together and come up with ways that we can lean into it and do it in a way that is not necessarily comfortable or easy or clean, but at least we're, we're being faithful in what God's calling us to do. So uh, I need to finish. Um, come back next week. We'll talk a little bit more particular about Trinity challenges we have um, and how that kind of plays in and think about how we might put some things in place to lean into those challenges. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the time just to be um, honest and open about the fact that this is hard, what we're talking about. Um, uh, we pray that you would continue to, to 
convict us of ways that we need to live our lives um, showing hospitality to everybody. Um, Give us opportunities to do that with our neighbors, with our literal neighbors, uh, with anybody that you bring uh, across our path. Uh, Help us, Father, to uh, lean into our selfishness, to our... um, our sense of over privacy and over comfort and uh, help us Lord as we believe the gospel more and more as we uh, seek to understand you more and more as we as we confront ourselves with your mercies help help us to be more and more the people that you want us to be Um, help us to uh, celebrate and enjoy the opportunity of simply being your people and opening our lives and our homes so that you might be at work to do whatever it is that you would do with the people that we would invite in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.